Amen. Thank you so much, Josh. What a blessing it is to be with you guys this morning. I don't know about you, but I just want to keep worshiping. I want to bring them right back up and let's keep going. Uh, what a blessing you guys have in your worship ministry here at First Brunswick. And uh, I'll tell you this, um, a couple of weeks ago, I've been a pastor now. This is my 31st year, I guess, in ministry. And for the first time uh, that I can remember, we were not in a worship service physically on Sunday morning on Easter. My wife was sick that morning and we just could not get out. And so we were trying to figure out what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? Who do we want to watch? And we watched you guys. Uh, we watched First Baptist Brunswick. And uh, I knew then when I watched the service, I said, man, we're going to have a good time, Josh, uh, when we get there in a couple of weeks. Uh, I love your pastor, Chris. He and I have spent a lot of time together and getting to know him. And we've been praying for him and his family through this journey he's been on and uh, meeting Josh and, and Amy and, and Britton and I have gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. I'm one of your missionaries. You may not know that, but I work with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. So what that means is I work for you. Um, I'm one of your missionaries. A lot of times we think about missionaries and the missionaries we support through the cooperative program are all overseas and all in the major cities across the United States. But I'm going to tell you something. I live in a major city. Uh, I live in Hoboken in Brantley County. There we go. South Georgia, baby. The, the promised land. I tell people all the time, I am from the southern kingdom. I tell my Atlanta friends, uh, you know the southern kingdom outlasted the northern kingdom, and every good king came out of the southern kingdom, amen? So I am a South Georgia boy. Uh, I live right down the road for you guys. I live on a blueberry farm with my family. My wife Stephanie is here with me this morning, and uh, uh, my parents and my sister and her husband, we live over in Brantley County on a blueberry farm. Uh, we're picking berries right now. We picked yesterday, and uh, we'll probably be picking some of this week as well. But um, uh, I get to serve you as a discipleship consultant with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and it has been a blessing, as I said, 31 years in ministry, and I just get to pour into pastors and staff members and churches around South Georgia and just remind people that our calling is not to be worshipers or worship attenders. Those are things that we're called to do, but our calling is to be disciple-makers, to go and make a difference, to share the name of Jesus Christ where we go each and every day. And so how do we build disciples who make disciples? That's what I do uh, for you across South Georgia. So thank you so much for what you do, your support for the cooperative program and, uh, and all you do for us. I am uh, honored to be here uh, to share with you today. I want to go to Exodus chapter 14. I want to go to the Old Testament this morning and I want to look at a passage. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to do a little doctrinal study. I know we have some college students here, and I know our other students here are saying, man, school's almost over. I don't want to get this information overload, but let's, uh, let's do a little study this morning. Let's do a little bit of doctrine this morning, because here's, here's what I want you to grasp this morning. I believe this wholeheartedly. What you believe to be true about God will determine how you act and how you react in every situation you face. Let me say that again. What you believe to be true about God, the God we just worshiped this morning, what you believe to be true about Him will determine how you act, how you respond, react in every situation. Now, we live in a very challenging day 
Things are changing rapidly. I don't even know the numbers. I was listening to a, a book while I was driving the other day, Stephen Covey's new book, Trust and Obey. And not Trust and Obey, that's a good hymn. We ought to sing that this morning. Trust and Inspire. And, and in that, he was saying, he was kind of going through and talking about how quickly information is changing. And he was talking about, I can't remember the numbers, but, you know, over the first hundred years or two hundred years of our existence, you know, uh, information doubled, you know, and then it gets quicker and quicker every time. Here's what he said. This is what blew me away. This, this study just came out. The amount of information we know in our world now doubles every 12 hours. A half a day. So what that does is that makes, that means that things are changing so fast. Now, those of us that are in here today that are more chronologically advanced, that's just a nice way of saying older. You know, that, that's kind of threatening to us, isn't it? it it's a challenge. And, and things seem to be coming off the rails. The world in which we live today is not the world that I grew up just a few years ago. My wife told me not long ago, you cannot watch the news anymore. <laughs> Anybody else with me on that one? I get so anxious. And I get this anxiety builds up and frustration. I'm like, what, what is happening around me? Crisis is everywhere. So how do we as believers respond? How do we as believers act? What, what's different about us than everybody else in the world that does not know the Lord that we just worshiped a few moments ago? What you believe to be true about God will determine how you act and how you react in every situation. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to kind of go back and remind us about this God that we serve. Because I'm telling you, crisis is reality. Anybody in a crisis right now? Anybody been in a crisis? If you didn't raise your hand, guess what? You're coming. It's coming. I learned that a long time ago. You're either in a crisis, you're coming out of a crisis, or you're going into one. So how do we respond in the midst of that? Family situations, work situations, school situations, health situations, financial. How do we respond? Here's the goal of this morning, and I'm going to put this on the screen for you this morning. In the midst of overcoming overwhelming situations, how do we as believers move from panic to praise? How do, how do you get there? How do we get out of this sense of panic to the midst of praising God? How do I feel when I'm watching the news like I felt just a few minutes ago? When I was worshiping, how, how do those two go together? How do I move from panic to praise? How do I move from fear to faith? See, that's what it means to be a believer. It doesn't mean that I'm just a church member. It doesn't just mean that I have something else on my schedule. I am a person of faith. How do I move from fear, which is where so many people are living in our culture today, to faith? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 14, to a familiar passage for many of you today, and it is the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. Now, let me remind you really quickly, uh, this is right after God has sent Moses to 
uh, set Israel free out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. So we've been through the plagues. Finally, Pharaoh said, hey, you guys get out of here. I've had enough of this. You go. So they have just experienced the power of God and the deliverance of God, and they are beginning this journey. Now, what I want to do this morning is I just want to concentrate on one verse, but if you would this morning, would you stand as I read a portion of this text this morning in honor of God's Word? Exodus 14, let's start at verse 1. And then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahirath, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now let's just hold there for just a second. What I have seen happen over 31 years of ministry is this. Maybe this is just me, but I think this is pretty true. How many of you struggle to pronounce biblical names? <laughs> all right, here's what we do, all of us do, right? Even preachers, Chris won't tell you that, but he does too, right? All of us do. Somebody sent me a book the other day. I got it in the mail. I preached this message a few weeks ago. I don't know who sent it, but it came in the mail, and it was a pronunciation guide to biblical names. I kid you not. Somebody sent that to me. But here's the truth. Here's what happens. Sometimes we come across these passages, and, and we get to these words that we can't pronounce, and so we just read over them real quick. And we, we're like, well, let me get to the meat of the text, right? I, this is just places and all. This is not important. Whoa, 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 whoa. In this passage, it is critical. It is critical. So I don't care how you pronounce them. Here's the deal. Just read through it really quick. Nobody will know the difference, right? If you act like you know how to pronounce it, nobody will challenge you on that, right? I'm telling you, this is the verse I really want you to focus in on this morning. And this is a verse a lot of times we just skip over. Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihahirath, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon, you shall encamp facing it. For Pharaoh will save the people of Israel. They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants were changed towards the people. And they said, what is this that we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and he took his army with him and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt and the officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and he overtook them, notice this, encamped at the sea by Pihahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. Father, speak to your people today. Speak truth to us, Lord, that we can apply right now in this crazy world in which we live. Remind us who you are and who we are and that we can trust you every step, every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How do you move from panic to praise? How do you move from fear to faith? I said this to you a few moments ago. What you believe to be true about God 
will determine how you act and how you react in every situation. So what is important is what we know about God. This is what we talk about when we talked about doctrine, when we talk about theology, and a lot of times we're just like, I don't, I don't want to know all of that stuff. I just, I, I just want to, just tell me some of the stories. Well, it's important that we understand who this God is that we serve. So how do I do this? How do I move from panic to praise? Well, number one is simply this. We've got to recognize God's sovereignty. Amen? We've got to recognize today that God is sovereign. Now, what does that mean? I put this on the screen for you this morning. Sovereignty simply means this, that God has absolute rule over creation as king, and he has total control and determination over everything that happens. He has absolute rule over creation and king. Now listen, and he has total control and determination over what? Everything that happens. There is nothing that happens that God is not in control. There is nothing in this world that ever happens that, that God is not aware of. Now, let me tell you something. It happens to me all the time. Do you know that God has never had an aha moment? You ever had an aha moment? Oh, I didn't know that. You know, it's never happened to God. God has never woke up in the middle of the night and said, didn't see that coming. God has never had a moment. It has never crossed his mind where he has been out of control or unaware. It happens to me multiple times a day. It happens all the time. I, it, just, it feels like the more I know, the more I don't know. And I'm constantly getting surprised. So when things happen and things change, I'm always like, man, I... Is there anything I can count on? Things are changing so fast, I'm just surprised every day. It's never happened to God. Psalm 103, 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over what? Over all, that's everything, folks. It's not just church stuff. It's not just what happens on Sunday. It's not just what happens on Wednesday. It's not just stuff that we consider faith. It's everything. God's sovereignty rules over everything. Daniel 4.35 says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Romans 11.36, for from him, this is talking about Jesus, for from him and through him and to him, say it with me, are all things. Romans 8, 28, you know this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. There is nothing that happens, folks, in this world that God doesn't allow nothing outside of his control. The Bible tells us that God is omniscient. You know what that means? It means that he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows everything about the past. He knows everything about the present. And he knows everything about the future. He's never had an aha moment. It not only says that he knows everything, he's omniscient. The Bible also says about this God that we worship that he is omnipotent. What does that mean? That means he has... He has power 
over everything. See, what I've learned about myself is sometimes I may know something, but there's nothing I can do about it. I may know what needs to be done, but I don't have the power. I don't have the control. I can't change things. God not only knows everything, but he has absolute control over everything. We sing songs in church, we come together and we worship and we talk about the fact that God is sovereign, but we get home and we watch the news and we say, what is happening? This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe that's just my mama that says that. The fact is, this same God was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We may be caught off guard, we may be overwhelmed, God is not. God is not deterred by elections. God is not deterred by politics. God has a plan and a purpose. The Bible also says, talks about God's providence. Providence, this is another one of those words that we need to understand. Providence simply means this, God has a purpose in all that he does. God has a purpose in all that he does in the world. And he providentially governs all things in order that they accomplish his purposes. Now, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. I thought it's supposed to accomplish my purposes. See, that's what I pray for. I, I pray that God will, will, will do things to make sure that I get my way, that things go the way that I want. No, God will providentially govern in order that all things accomplish his purpose. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 14. Notice that God tells them exactly where he wants them to camp. Now, I'm not a military expert. It doesn't take a military expert to understand that if you are fleeing out of Egypt, you don't camp and put yourself in between the sea and the most powerful army in the world. You don't do that. You leave yourself an out. You give yourself a way to, 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 to escape. But God says, I want you to put yourself in this very difficult situation. Why? He says, because I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to do this so that I will get glory over Egypt. Now, let me tell you something. When they're camped there at the Red Sea and all of a sudden Pharaoh's army starts to come after them, what do they do? They panic, right? They panic, they start screaming, they start crying out to Moses. They're, they're, they feel threatened because they have no idea that God has a bigger plan. God has never lost control. He's never been caught off guard. But you know what, it happens to us all the time. Circumstances change, things change. Health, illness, jobs, finances, all of these things happen and we begin to say, God, where are you? Have you, have you forgotten us? God's providence means that he governs all things according to his plan and his purposes. And the Bible reminds us that God says, I do not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Listen to that, church. The world around us is changing rapidly. God has not changed. His plan has not changed. His calling on your life has not changed. He is still sovereign. What I believe to be true about God determines how I act and how I react. If God is sovereign, he's not surprised, he's not caught off guard, he knows what he's doing in this process, I can, what? Number two, I can rest in God's sovereignty. 
I can rest in God's sovereignty. What does that mean to, to rest in God's sovereignty? Well, that's what it means to believe. That's what it means to, to have faith. That, that's what it means to, to, to affirm that I'm a believer. Folks, this is, this is putting feet to your faith. This is what it means to be a Christian, that in a crazy world where the wheels seem to be coming off, I can rest in the sovereignty of God. I can trust him. And I can not only trust him with what's going on in the world, I can trust him with my life. When the job is suddenly taken away from me, when the stock market crashes and I lose my retirement, when a spouse walks out, when the doctor says cancer, this is where we put feet to our faith, to know that in the midst of this, that God that we worshiped a few moments ago is sovereign, and he is still on his throne, and he still has a plan and his purpose for you. And in his providence, you can trust him. Some of you need to hear that right now. Some of you need to hear right now that in the midst of what you're going through, God is sovereign and you can trust him. His plans and his purposes, though not ours, are best and are right because God sees the past, the present, and the future. So what does it mean to rest in God's sovereignty? Let me just share one thing with you that is going to make you a little nervous. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. This will make you a little nervous. Resting in God's sovereignty means this. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, listen to me carefully right here. God means for you to be where you are. I'm going to let that sink in here for a second. Whatever situation you're in right now, God means for you to be where you are. Now, some of you are, are getting a little stressed out right now because you're like, well, wait a minute. What if it's my own sin that's put me in a difficult situation? You hold on a second. We're going to get there. But here's what you need to know. If God is sovereign and God knows everything and God has control of everything and in God's providence, God is directing things according to his plan and his purpose, Listen to me, wherever you are right now, it does not change where God is. And he will and can and will still use you in the midst of those circumstances to accomplish his will. But this is the problem. This is the health and wealth. This is the, the prosperity preaching that we've dealt with for so long that we think this, well, if things are going bad in my life, that means that, that something's wrong. That means that God is not going to use me. That, that means that, 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 um, that I, I've, I've blown it. Here's the question for you. Does God allow difficult circumstances in the life of his people? If you read this book, you realize, yes, he does. He does allow circumstances. But you know what? We live our lives to think if something goes wrong, something must be wrong. But God will allow you to go through difficult circumstances. Hagar was a single mom. The Bible says she was forced into the desert with her young boy to die of thirst. 
We know how God delivered them. Joseph, just wanting to fulfill divine dreams that God had given them, was seized, stripped, sold as a slave, and imprisoned in Egypt. We know how God used him. Moses was caught between the splendors of Egyptian royalty, adopted as the daughter, uh, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and an enslaved people. And he was driven to the backside of a desert where he met God through a burning bush. David was anointed king by Samuel at God's command only to be pursued by Saul. Who allowed this to happen? Hezekiah, the young king seeking revival, was trapped between the most powerful army on earth, bent on annihilating his people. The Lord's disciples, at his command, sailed into a storm. Remember Jesus said, y'all get in the boat, sail across the sea, I'll meet you there. If God knows everything, did Jesus know that the storm was coming? Absolutely. Why? Because he had a plan and a purpose. He was going to walk out on that water and increase Peter's faith. Those disciples had no idea when that storm came up what was going on. Jesus himself, just fulfilling the Father's will, was nailed to a cross and left to hang there until dead. Don't tell me that God does not allow difficult circumstances in the life of his people. But he uses those circumstances in his providence for his glory. Scripture tells us in John chapter 16, 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Listen, in the world you will have tribulation. Not you may. Not you could. You will have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. You will have trials, but what I believe to be true about God determines how I act or react. God is all-powerful, God is not surprised, and God has a plan, and that has not changed. So in the midst of that trial, I can trust Him. Put this up on the screen, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite theologians said this, folks. He said, to the child of God, there is no such thing as an accident. He travels an appointed way. Accidents may indeed appear to befall him and misfortune stalk his way, but these evils will be so in appearance only and will seem evils only because we cannot read the secret script of God's hidden providence. God is never caught off guard. God is never thrown off track. God's purposes and God's plans will prevail. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good according to those who are called according to his purposes. It seems as though things are falling apart sometimes. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. 
The great South African pastor, Andrew Murray, once found himself in a terrible crisis and he sat down in his study, fearful and perplexed, and he began to pray and he began to meditate on Scripture, especially upon Jesus. And after a few moments of reflection, he wrote this down. And I want you to see this this morning. In this trouble in his life, he he said this. He said, first, he brought me here. And, And it's by his grace that I'm in this straight place. In other words, God has not abandoned me. I'm where he wants me. He's brought me here. Now, in the midst of that, in that fact, I'm going to rest. Sometimes, folks, it's just realizing in the midst of a crisis, I know that God has not abandoned me, has not forsaken me. He means for me to be where I am. Now, notice what he says. He says, next, he will keep me here in his love. And he will give me the grace to behave as his child. It is so hard to behave as a child of God when the wheels are coming off, isn't it? I see Christians on Facebook and social media and ranting and raving and saying some of the the craziest things. And I want to say, where's your faith? Where's your faith? We are a people of faith. God will give me the grace to behave as his child. Then he will make that trial a blessing. And he will teach me the lessons that he intends me to learn, working in me the grace that he means to bestow. And last, in his good time, he can bring me out. How and when only he knows. Folks, that that quote right there, I wish that were me every day. Maybe you do too. And it would be easy for me to stand up here and say, all right, folks, that's it. This is what we do. (laughs) But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when it seems as though the wheels are coming off to remember this. But understand, what we believe to be true about God will determine how we act. And even how we react. Whether we are people of faith or not. Now, I said something a few minutes ago, and I've got to wrap something up here before I close. Because I know a lot of you got a little bit nervous when I said part of recognizing God's sovereignty is resting in that sovereignty. And part of resting in that sovereignty is simply this. It is understanding that God means for me to be where I am. And some of you immediately when I said that said, no, wait a minute. Some of my situation is caused by my own choices. It's caused by my own actions. I mean, I've sinned. Are you telling me that God means me to be where I am because I've sinned? Are you telling me that this difficult situation I'm in, God God wants me to be there? It was my own choice that put me there. Let's run it through the test. Because remember, what you believe to be true about God determines how you act and how you react. Let me ask you this question. Whatever situation you're in right now, whatever sin, whatever problem, let me ask you this. Was God surprised by your sin? Was God caught off guard? Did God wake up and say, well, never saw that coming. He knows everything about you before you are ever conceived. He's not surprised. You may have been surprised. Other people may have been surprised. God is not surprised. Let me ask you this question. Was God overpowered by you and your sin. Think about it. Here's what, Josh, here's what happens all the time. 
Well, you don't know what I did. God can't use me. God can't use me because of what I've done. You know what that is? We, we think that's such humility. It's the opposite. It's pride. God can't use me. Who are you to say God can't do what God wants to do? Are you stronger than God? Your sin, your choice can erase everything that God had planned? No. So God wasn't surprised by my sin. God has not been overpowered by my sin. Does my sin change God's plans in God's world? Who do I think I am? So no. So let me give you an example. John chapter 17, Peter pays, uh, Jesus prays for his disciples. It's the great priestly prayer. He's going to the cross. And he prays in that prayer. He says, Father, I've completed the work you sent me to do. Now, he hasn't died on the cross yet, right? But he says, I've completed the work you sent me to do. What was the work he sent him to do? Make disciples, right? He's ready to go to the cross because he knows they're ready. Now, follow me, follow me. I know we're getting late. I know lunch is coming. Don't miss this. Follow me right here. He says, I've completed the work. Do you think that he was surprised just a couple of hours later when he was arrested and they all ran for the hills? He just said he completed the work, man. They're, they're ready. Was Jesus surprised when they all abandoned him? Was Jesus surprised when Peter denied him? Oh, wait a minute. No, didn't Jesus say, because uh, Peter said, oh, they all may abandon you, but not me, Lord. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, before the rooster crowed, before, before dawn, you're going to deny me three times. See, he already knew Peter's failure. Peter didn't know it. He knew it. And he already knew how he was going to use that. And he comes back to Peter on the seashore and he says, Peter, remember that little conversation we had? Peter, do you love me? Yes. Lord, you know I love you. Then, then tend my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Don't you know that one hurt? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Here's the point. Your sin, your failure, your mistake is not a surprise to God. Where you are right now is where he means for you to be. Now, whether you stay there or not is your decision. How do I get back in line with the plan of God? Well, Peter shows us repentance and confession. I confess my sin, I repent, and the Lord uses me. Folks, it's a crazy world, and it ain't changing. I don't mean to be a doomsday guy. I don't think we're going to see days of the megachurches anymore. I don't think we're going to see big churches full and lots of people the Christian nation that we kind of grew up with, thinking that everybody was Christian and it was all easy, that's gone, folks. It is changing so fast. And it can be disheartening, and it can bring about panic, and it can bring about fear. But true people of God know who He is, know that He is still in control, His plan is still moving forward, and God will use those situations, and all I want to do is I want to trust him 
and live that out in my life each and every day. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a person of faith. Father, I pray today right now, you know where we are in our situation and in our life. You know, God, the the struggles that we're facing. You know these people. You know every single one of us. You know our faults. You know our failures. And God, you know, for a lot of people right now, we're struggling and we're wondering, where's this world going? What's the future hold? Do we have any solid ground to stand on? God, right now, more than any other, we need the church to be the church. We need believers to be believers. People of faith people of trust, people of confidence in you and in your word. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that the path is going to be easy. Lord, there will be trials and there will be tribulations. And God, we see that. You're not surprised. God, may today your people be your people. Reaffirm our faith today. Move us from panic to praise. Moves from fear to faith so that others will see the God that we worship. So that others will know the truth of the solid rock that we can stand upon. When everything else is falling apart, when the world is coming off the tracks, you are solid. Your truth is eternal. Remind us today, Father, of who it is that we serve, who it is that we love, who it is that we trust. You are worthy. And we reaffirm today our faith and our trust in Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you As we've said, you can trust him. And some of you know the situations you're you're facing right now. And maybe today is just that day of rededication and reaffirmation. What I just pray, God, I can trust you. Take this fear away. During this time of invitation, some of your pastors will be up here at the front. If you would like to come speak to somebody, you can. The altar is always open for you to come and pray. But let's leave here today with a reaffirmed faith in the sovereignty, the majesty of Almighty God. Would you do that? Let's stand together.